no, I don't need to reply because I knew all that. So I'm going to drive on down to 864 East Avenue, grab myself a beer, buy it, open it, drink it while I shop for groceries. I'll be honest, I am a little mad you didn't respond to my text, but I think you have a good plan. Go down to New Earth. If you guys are hearing this, you should go to New Earth. Buy their beers. They have a great selection, and they support this podcast. If Siri says it, it absolutely has to be 100% true. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema. This is a podcast about film and craft beer, and my name is Max Minardi. My name is Johnny Summers. What is happening? Uh, we are a podcast based out of Chico, California. I want to thank you for tuning in. If you're a first-time listener, if you're a long-time listener, thanks for coming back. Uh, if you've never heard the show before, we want to let you know it's a three-part show. We cover a beer in our first segment. We cover a movie in our second without spoiling it, and then a beer in our third segment, plus some spoilers from the movie. Usually we stay current on movies, but this week we are doing a throwback to a film called The Meyerowitz Stories, new and selected. Uh, it started streaming on Netflix late 2017, so stay tuned for that. Hopefully you've had a chance to see it, and if you haven't, you'll, you'll hear about it from us. Yeah. But first of all, we're going to talk about beer. And Johnny Summers, you have brought both of our beers this week, and I would love it so much, my friend, if you would tell us about this first one. Yes. The first beer we are drinking is called Strata, S-T-R-A-T-A, as in the stratosphere. It just came out basically today. Whenever you're listening to this, I don't remember. We that doesn't matter. Yeah, time. it's a very new it's beer. Brand, brand spanking new. Just came out from Worthy Brewing out of Bend, Oregon. Uh, I'm personally a huge fan of them. I've been to their brewery, and when something new cranks out from them, I want to pick it up and try it. This is very unprofessional. I thought maybe, I know we've done a beer by them. I'm just going to guess it was that beer church. Is that by Worthy, or am I tripping out? No, we, uh, church. Yeah, we did a beer called Church. Do you remember? Oh, that, that was um, the Kern River. Oh shoot. Okay, well, yeah. I'm gonna figure out what else we've done by Worthy. But continue. there we go. We did one thing. I think I brought their Kolsch actually. Oh, that their might be it. Lazy Day Kolsch. I want to say that sounds right because I love that beer. Yeah, and when I got it, it was like canned two days ago. Right. Uh, but anyways, yeah, this beer Strata uh, is featuring a brand new multi-layered and all-purpose aroma hop crafted by Oregon State University and a company that cultivates and manufactures hops called indie hops out of oregon Cal uh, oregon yes, california yes i've done that no also. not oregon california out of oregon uh this beer has it all according to them uh terra firma which is a fancy way to say earthy notes pineapple and watermelon with a whiff of turpilicious herbal dankness on the nose you're gonna get some grapefruit some pineapple a little bit of passion fruit maybe some pine uh, on the outer rim, detections of peaches and juicy fruit gum. That is their words, not mine. Right, that's the description. And we we did a little bit of researching uh, for these purposes because this beer is uh, famously extremely uh, weed-like, yeah, marijuana-like. This beer specifically? Uh, th well, this hop, I okay. suppose. But this is uh, that's the feature of this beer is that hop. Um, so maybe we'll get into uh, some of the sciency stuff behind that. We uh, we got some info off Worthy's website and some of the. Uh, the cultivation methods of this hop and where it came from and why it tastes and smells the way that it does. But first off, I want to just get your general first impression of this beer, Tony. This beer is delicious. It is super crisp and it's hoppy in all the right ways, but it's not bitter and gnarly on the back end. You get like all the crispiness out of the hops that you want and the aroma and the flavor. It doesn't linger in that really bitter biting way. It's super smooth. Uh, it's a lot lighter than I expected it to be as well. Yeah, me too. It's uh, it's six and a half percent. It rates sixty IBUs, um, which feels about right. It doesn't feel like you're saying it's not super bitey. It's pretty smooth. We should say I think that we're drinking it a little bit warmer than it's meant to be drank. Maybe this is actually by, by a hair. Not much. Maybe by ten degrees. Yeah. So you did you get it off a shelf when you bought it, or uh, was it in a fridge it, that was just just unloaded off the truck? Oh, okay, gotcha. I got it fresh from a delivery. They scanned it into the register or whatever, and right. then I walked out with it. Perfect. So, literally hot off the truck, but not yeah. hot. Right. Room temp. <laughs> Room off temp the off the truck. Um, so yeah, we cooled it down in the freezer a little bit, um, and maybe mine just feels a little bit colder. I think this would benefit from a, a very cold serving. But... Definitely. Luckily, we have a whole six pack. So right. Get to drink the rest of it for science. Yeah. Um, so I like this a lot too. I think it's very smooth. Um, I don't want to say too much about it yet because I haven't quite drank enough to make a full formulated opinion yeah but i'm agreeing with what you're saying it's definitely smooth it's not too biting there's actually not as much of the kind of danky characteristics that, no i don't that i was hyped for i don't smell it or or taste it really. yeah there's a beer from new belgium called the uh, emperor oh yes Have i've you seen that? that 
That one is also, I think it's brewed with um, hemp. Is it brewed with I, I think so. Well, that makes sense. That beer's a little ridiculous. Like you open that in a room and it smells up the whole room. Yeah, it's a trip. I had it on tap uh, somewhere in town several months back and it was, yeah, the second it came out of the draft, it was. I was there. I think I was. Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If I wasn't, I had it on tap sure. as well. Um, but that was really good. And I was kind of expecting that with this, but this is definitely more of a straightforward IPA and less of a, uh, you know, talking point, I guess, is a way to phrase that. Yeah, it's not as uh, as, as much of a novelty. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. Yeah, I really just got it because it was like brand new and the can was pretty. Yeah, fair. It is. It's a very, very uh, uh, intergalactic looking can. Uh, but you know, yeah. Imagine like Saturn being a hop, yeah. and it has like multicolored rings around it with it's, like yeah, really cool blue black blue background. Yeah, sure. Blue background. <laughs> Confuse them. Uh, and also, this was canned roughly what? Oh, from the day that we're recording this, yeah. this was what eleven days ago. Yeah, this is like a, this beer's eleven days old. Yeah, twelve. So you um, can't beat that. Yeah, it really makes a difference when you get a fresh beer. Mm-hmm. I had a not fresh beer that I bought the other day, and it was you actually saw it. It was like eight months old, and I didn't know that. And I, the second I tasted it, I was like, "Man, there's something something off." As like, you, you try this real quick, and you said, "I'm not trying this." There's a canning date. It's way too old. Yeah. No, thank you, sir. Yeah, and we poured it out. It was a January date, and it's now almost September. Yeah, can't. Yeah, do that. no. Do you think we should get into some of the more sciencey stuff here before we go around and rate the spear? Yeah, I had neared out on this stuff, and I didn't get to read as much of that as as you did. So yeah, hit me I was, with some knowledge. I was gonna like hand you the paper, and be like, all right, tell them. But you have yeah. a lot of chance to yeah, really no. look over this. Um, I will give you that for now, but I'll start talking about this. Um, so the there's if you don't know this about hops, they're all classified in a naming system, usually a letter and several numbers. This is X three thirty one, and this is an article from Worthy Brewing's website. It says, I'm going to say Strata, by the way. I've been saying or Strata. You said Strata? I'm going to say Strata. Strata? I don't know. Like a Strata. It's up for debate. Like a Strata caster? Yeah, there you go. Uh, so it says Strata, Terpalicious, Terpific, and Terpendous, which are all just spins on normal descriptions. But the big, the big question that this article poses is, why does this new hop Strata smell like pot? Um, and ev- basically everybody that smelled it in its early phases described it with like danky, stanky, hmm. skunky, musky, or resinous. And I think resinous and, and maybe musky are the best words that I would come up with for this. Cause I don't get so much of the, as I was saying, like the dank or the, uh, no, that's it. Dankiness. I don't get that too, too much. I think people that describe hops and beer as resinous have never smelled like a bong resin. Yeah. Maybe like if anything, like pine resin. Yeah, I think yeah, that's like a good point. like rosin, you know, like a sticky pine. Mm-hmm. I think that's resin, right? Yeah, that's they resin. Like seal stuff mm-hmm. with it back yeah. in the day. Okay, definitely more that than like bong residue. I don't know because that resin doesn't smell good. I don't know. Yeah, I I actually have literally never smelled that. Yeah, but I can imagine that it's more like just burnt. Like it smells whatever. like booty. Yeah, okay. it's not good. Uh, anyways, the 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 argument that this article makes and that the science is is that hops and uh, marijuana are very closely related yes in nature yes uh they're from the same family of um plant mm-hmm. the same genus right? yeah that sounds right that's the science yes. word the two genera within the same family I yeah think. i listened to a, a talk podcast with neil degrasse tyson once so i know science there you go <laughs> um so about this hop we know that it's born in corvallis which is very important because a lot of you just told me this you confirmed it that 97 percent of Hops in the U.S. are from Oregon, Washington, and Idaho. Mm-hmm. Just that whole Northwest region, which I didn't know, and that kind of blew my mind. That's a huge number, 97% of all of them. There's some very fertile valleys up in that part of the world, and the uh, the weather is very conducive to growing hops. Yep. I mean, you kind of see that as, like, if you go along the West Coast in general and all the way from the Mexican border mm-hmm. up to the Canadian border, the central west coast, like inland from the coastal range, is all very fertile. I mean, if you look at basically I-5 going from Southern California up to Washington, yeah. everything along that central strip is just fertile. Like you've got nothing but almonds and all kinds of stuff growing right. in the valley in California. That's true. And then you get north and the the climate is just perfect for growing viney, like uh, hoppy. Hops, yeah. Yeah, and a lot of weed, Weed, too. right, exactly. Weed's very legal in Oregon and Washington, so yeah. they grow a lot of it up there, too. But. Right. So they talk about why they decided to pursue this particular hop. And, and the big part of it is that hops put off a very strong smell, and animals usually are not about it. So hops can grow pretty easily in a place where there's a lot of wildlife, mm-hmm. and they're not going to get eaten like a fruit might. You know? Yeah, deer deer, and normal things that would eat your plants exactly. don't like them. Yeah. Also, apparently, this hop is very disease-resistant. 
which I didn't know, but I, I assume maybe a lot of hops are because I can't imagine that's that specific to this strain, but maybe <laughs> it is. I don't know. I know a lot of, of hops. You can get um, certain little bugs on them, stuff like that. that yeah. Eat away at that's it. That's true. So. Like an aphid. But yeah. Maybe hops. they're more resistant to stuff like that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not a, a botanist, so I can't profess the diseases right. that they would get infected by, but that's fascinating. Yeah, is there anything else you want to add about this sort of sort of thing? I think this, it's, it's just, vein? I love that people are cranking out new hops. It's yeah. really exciting. It's a, a progression of the craft beer industry in a very positive way. I love f- tasting new things. Like, who doesn't? Like, if you're a craft right. beer lover or a food lover or, I mean, any your sense of taste is always expanding and right. your palate's always changing. So, yeah, I'm super stoked on this. And... I'm super stoked on doing this beer just because I always kind of have an affinity for beers that we do from places I've been that I actually sure. already like and I have a connection with. Uh, and it's really cool because I love the the city of Corvallis. I've been there a bunch of times. There's a, a My favorite coffee shop in Oregon is like right off I-5. What is it? It's, oh God, I wish I could shout it out. Some fan you are. It's, um, oh, Mm-hmm. It's like a block away from uh, Block 15. If you think of it, let us know. Yeah. Because I'll would, uh, i be up that way eventually again. Block 15 is Corvallis, right? I always get Corvallis and Eugene mixed up. Eugene's on the five. Yes, but so is Corvallis. Oh, it is? Yeah. Oh. It's Eugene, then Corvallis, and then you hit Portland. Okay. But I'm pretty sure. But yeah, Corvallis. No. Yeah, it's Corvallis. Well, we'll look it up on a break. No, That's it's fine. Corvallis. Gotcha. But anyways. Um, I mean the coffee shop. We'll look it up on the break. Yeah. yeah. But Corvallis is cool because that's where... Oregon State is. Right. So it's a big college town. Who also had a pretty big hand, like we said in the beginning, with making this hop. They've been developing hops, um, especially with uh, with Indie Hop, the the you know folks that we talked about earlier on this can that made this hop um, for like a, a pretty long time, like decades, um, to the point where Indie Hops is, I think, donated, I read something, maybe it's on that paper in front of you, but donated something like a, a million dollars or something like that. I didn't see anything on yeah. here about that, but that's crazy. To, to, to researching hops and and botanical things of that nature at Oregon State University. So that's that's pretty neat. Yeah, and you know it's cool because like I guarantee you some kids at that college like had a hand in making this hop because totally. they love beer. They're in such a beer-rich environment, so like they did their part to expand the beer universe. So that's pretty cool, tying it in with the universe and the strata. There you go. What do you think, Max? You ready to rate this stuff? Yeah, I think so. Um, so just again to recap, it's very good. It is really hoppy. I don't want to come off like it's not. It's, it's pretty hoppy. It's a straightforward West Coast IPA. Very carbonated, lots of flavor all the way around. It finishes very nicely. Mm-hmm. Doesn't kick you in the palate in a bad way. Yeah. Um, that said, I was kind of hoping for a little bit more of the dankiness and more of the kind of weedy okay. quality here. So I'm going to give it a 7.5. All right. What about you? See, I didn't have those lofty expectations going in. Uh, I saw in the can it was only 60 IBUs, so right. I knew kind of it was going to be in that medium to slightly hoppy range. I think this this hop is kind of so fruit forward that it's mellow. Like it, you don't get that that skunky, danky. It just you yeah. get way more of the fruity. Right. Like I get more of a, a grapefruit, but not super bitter. It's very yeah, strange. Totally. You now they say you get pineapple too, so maybe that sweetness mm-hmm. is lingering. I really like this beer. It's super refreshing. I'm really looking forward to trying those other two kind of at different temperatures. Sure. I want to do one ice cold. Uh, but I mean, bang for the buck at coming at like a ten, eleven dollar six pack, something you can get relatively fresh. This beer is tremendous. I'm gonna give it a an eight five. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, let's put this baby to sleep now. Let's move on. I, if you don't mind, I want to talk about something that's got me stoked this week. I'm very hot by this one thing. Do it. I, I, I discovered something on Netflix and it's called magic for humans. Oh my God. We've been watching that. I, I, okay. So it's magic for Susan. I know my, it's so funny. So <laughs> it's, um, it's this, it's a one season as far as I know. And I found this out by accident because I watched it last night and I watched all of them. Did you just go to town? Yeah, and I was like, I was like, all right, next episode next. I think I watched six or seven and they're like you know, 25, 30 minutes long. And then they were done. <laughs> I watched all of them. Like, where'd it go? I need more magic for humans. Uh, but it was it was fantastic. And I, I remember I, I'd seen an ad for it once. And then on my Facebook feed, there came a little video of this magician trying to, like, convincing this one dude that he was invisible. Have you seen this clip by chance? Mm-mm. Oh, it's it's so good. Um, basically, he hires a bunch of Craigslist people and just has them come down to try to convince oh my God. one guy that wanders up to this magic show, um, you know, that he can be turned invisible. And it's like the seven or eight minute thing that he does. And it's so good. And this was on YouTube or I'm sorry, on Facebook. This wasn't on the Netflix special. It was also on that. So I, okay. when I got to that episode, I was like, okay, okay, cool. So I know when this came in. What else? What else is really neat about it is that there's like themes to every episode. Mm-hmm. So for example... One was the dangers of technology, and he sets it up 
um, I'll think of the host's name in a second here, uh, Justin Willman. And he sets it up so like technology is getting crazier and crazier. And like the entire tone of the episode is set. They even use like a Black Mirror spoof in the beginning. Oh, nice. Uh, like, it's so good. Um, but every magic or trick or illusion, whatever you're going to call them, if a trick is something a whore does for money, then all of the illusions, um, illusions are... Michael are based around that. So like the, at one point he has a magic off, like a, you know, like an old school rap battle. Mm-hmm. He's like a magic off with a robot that has been <laughs> brought up to do magic. Amazing. It's very good. It's magic for humans. It's on Netflix. I highly recommend checking it out. It's fantastic. I love it. Yeah. What about I you, love it. I respect the hell out of that arrested development reference too. Thank you for that. I acknowledge that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I got a couple things that have me hot. Um, I just real briefly, the first one, I listened to two podcasts from the Joe Rogan show that are, Maybe my two favorite podcasts that I've ever listened to in my life. Mm. Uh, the first one was with Henry Rollins. Which one you want me to listen to? I actually texted you, yeah, to yeah. listen to that just because Henry Rollins is one of the most fascinating humans that has led such a crazy interesting life. And he's gone through so many chapters in it um, from where he was singing for Black Flag all the way to what he does for a living now. It's crazy. Um, fascinating listen. Check that out. Also, um, I just listened today to the episode he did with Neil deGrasse Tyson. It's right. the second time he's been on there. And every time he's on there, I learn so much stuff. And it's such a palatable way that mm-hmm. he says it all. It's just so nice. Yeah. And like he just went off on this rant about like why the Gregorian or Gregorian calendar is like perfect. Awesome. And it's good for like 10,000 years, which sure. is the calendar that we use. Yeah. With right. like he explained leap years. Perfect. I didn't know what leap years were for. What's this podcast called? Uh it's the Joe Rogan Experience and it was I forget which episode, one of the newer ones yeah. and it was just with Neil deGrasse Tyson. Perfect. That's so, great. Uh on a slightly less intellectual turn. Uh, the other thing that's got me hot is a Saturday night. This last Saturday, I went up to some friend's house and we ordered the second ever pay-per-view of legal in the United States sanctioned bare knuckle boxing. Uh, why do people keep doing things? It just gets getting pushed further and further. Here's you should talk about that first, but then I'm on tangent. I'm gonna I'm gonna tangent it. You're gonna tangent just it for a quick one. Yeah, no, it'll be good because I, I want to rebut. Maybe not rebut. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to your tangent. Thank you. Uh, it was fascinating. It was violent as expected, but it was a lot less violent than almost any UFC I've ever seen. Because it probably doesn't last as long. Uh, no, it, the, a lot of um, there was only one knockout, two knockouts, and one of them was because the dude broke both of his hands. Sure. Um, it's just a simple fact that if you don't have your knuckles wrapped, you cannot hit as hard. The human hand is much more fragile than tape and gloves. Uh, really the only reason UFC guys have their hands taped and have those little baby gloves on is to protect their hands. Mm. And it lets you hit probably twice as hard. So you don't see knockouts. You see much more technique. You see a lot of little nicks and cuts, but you don't see the catastrophic knockouts. Um, so it's kind of a more of a take on traditional boxing, even without less power shots than like traditional boxing. I don't know if you can call it traditional boxing. Like boxing is the sport with gloves and a ring. You just mean like it's more of a take on people fighting each other. No, it's, exa- I mean, it's the same rules as boxing. Okay. The only yes. difference is yes. that there's no gloves. So the techniques were very similar. Styles were very similar. Uh, literally the only difference was, was no gloves. All right. So I guess I have two questions. Yes. Or, or a two parter question. Uh huh. Part one is who are the people that are clamoring for this? And part two is if those people were given the opportunity to watch like a fight to the death with these two people, would they still pay to watch it? Do you think? I don't, I can't testify to like who the people are. I mean, I'm one of them. I think it's interesting. I'm a fan of combat sports. I think as long as people will pay money to see two dudes try and hurt each other, it's going to happen. And you're going to see people try and spin it in different ways and come up with different ways to do it. But honestly, bare knuckle boxing is a lot less dangerous than almost any other martial art or like televised pay-per-view sport. I guess I guess I'd be curious to know like where the line would be because because I didn't answer your second question. Sorry, I want to make sure I clarify on the first one. Okay, like, like I I get that even physics aside, it does look more brutal, or at least at least in my brain, it seems more primitive. It feels more primitive and it feels more raw and real. Right. You know what I mean? So what would the line be? I guess as far as like like when when would you like what if okay what if you could do like knife fighting? Hmm. Like. Should we, as a society, condone that? If people are willing to pay for it and people are willing to participate, should we allow them to? I don't think you should do that because people could die. That's true, but what if they want to? I'm completely playing the devil's advocate. Yeah, I mean, in like a society with no rules, I mean, like, is the question, should we watch it or should we sanction it? Both. 
Well, both? watching is sanctioning, essentially. Yeah, but if it was sanctioned, would you watch? But then you're essentially having your government or some ruling body saying this is okay. Right. So there's an approval. It's like the purge. Yeah. Kind so like it's if, not, if, but if kind it's, of. If it's okay to do, then it's okay to do, right? So, I mean, the real question would be, was would should that ever get sanctioned right. and be offered as entertainment? And I would say no. Yeah, it comes back to like gladiator fighting back yeah. in the day. Like that got banned because it was inhumane and brutal. And Yeah. I feel know. like... Um, Mortal Kombat, not the video game version. Because my brain wants Mortal Kombat. Yeah, but yeah, fights uh, to death. Yeah, fights to the death. I think have gone by the wayside the same way that slavery did. We as a, a society, hopefully, it never comes back. Just like hopefully, slavery never comes back. I think um, intellectually, we've moved past the point of not having any value on human life the way that they did in Rome. You know what I mean? I don't. I know what you mean, but I think I disagree. But for sport, I mean, just. Fights. You know there's people that would watch the sh out of that. Yeah, but I also know that so many of those gladiators that fought to the death had no choice. That's true. So That's true. essentially they were slaves. So they, Yeah, a lot of them were. A lot of them were. So now imagine if they weren't slaves like today, just people wanted to fight to the death. Yeah. People would not have a problem with that because the slavery is not an issue. So yeah. Some people would watch it. You know, if it was free will, I'm, I guarantee it. I mean- not to get dark, but there's people out there that like watch snuff porn. Yeah, like that you know sort of thing. I mean? like, like there's going to be the sick minority that's like the seedy underbelly of entertainment in general. Yeah. Like I'm almost positive you could probably find stuff like that on the dark web oh, already. Oh, for sure. You know, guarantee it. Yeah. I mean, God, we have bum fights on YouTube. That's a crazy thing too. Yeah. But um, in answer to your first question, I would not watch that. Sure. And I don't think we should have that. Great. I think there's a huge difference between like a physical combat and a, and a mortal combat. Yeah. When it's, yeah, that crosses the line from sport into demented entertainment that debases human life in yeah. general. You yeah. know what I mean? If you have a different opinion on that, please don't write us. I don't want to hear from you if you think it's okay for people to murder each other <laughs> for our entertainment. <laughs> Stay yeah. out of my life. Ah, that'd be a weird thing for me to just all of a sudden right now be like, yeah, I'm cool with that. Yeah, I was. I didn't think you would be like, what, yeah, what if you did? I don't oh, know. Oh, go to a break. <laughs> go to a break forever. Uh, yeah. ever. On, that, on that note, should we go to a break, come back and talk about a movie? Uh, yeah. Uh, all I had to say besides answering that was it was really cool got it it was fun to, it was fun to watch i enjoyed it we had a good yeah. time and it was a lot cheaper than the ufc pay-per-views awesome so, have to pay for the gear yeah, yeah a lot less man but yeah don't hit somebody hard you'll break your hand yeah all right we'll be right back hey everybody you know that we're a chico based podcast so if you are a chico based person go on down to secret trail brewing and grab yourself a beer drink a beer as you listen to this show they are located at 132 myers street right here on the south end of town they make delicious stuff and they support this podcast. Also, every Monday, they have an Explorer series. Johnny, what is that? So every single Monday, they crank out a beer that they've never done, and they might never do again. That's right. One single keg is available during their normal business hours from 3 to 9. Every single week, it's something different, new, exciting, maybe even crazy. That's right. Again, that's Secret Trail Brewing Company right here in Chico at 132 Myers Street. You can go down there, or you can follow them on social media at Secret Trail Brew Co. Live and drink off the beaten path. That's the trailer for the Meyerowitz story. Meyerowitz stories. I want to make sure I get that O in there. My Meyerowitz York. stories. New and selected. Written and directed by Noah Bam. Here I go. Bomback. You or, just told me. I know me. I did. Cool, because it's spelled. Oh, so it's Noah. B-A-U-M-B-A-C-H. I thought it was Baumbach, which I don't know. 
Bomback, maybe. I've heard people say it different ways. Mr. Bomback. And that's the way we're going to do it. Uh, This film stars Adam Sandler and Ben Stiller as brothers, or half-brothers is probably more correct, Mm -hmm. of uh, a father who is a sculptor who is getting older and has never quite been okay with the fact that his art has not been better received in the art world. It also stars... Who is Dustin Hoffman? Who is Dustin Hoffman, thank you. Uh, Also stars Elizabeth Marvel as their the two brothers' sister, Jean, Grace Van Patten as Danny's daughter, Eliza, and Emma Thompson as Maureen, Dustin Hoffman's Harold's fourth wife, who is an alcoholic slash... uh, Hippie? Hippie. I guess that makes sense. Hippie, hippie. Um, Yeah, there's there's this moment they all come back together because Harold is having a retrospective art show at his alma mater where he used to teach as well. And he has issue with that because he always thought he could be better than he was. And his health has a moment of declination and the family has to deal with each other around these circumstances. That wasn't why they all came back though. No, but that is kind of the, where it, where it goes. Yeah. That's the gist of it. Whoa. Yeah. Throwing pens at the throwing end. Pens. Yeah. What do you think of this man? Again, this came out in 2017. I should say this is October 13th. It, it originally aired. It originally made the, uh, the kind of the festival circuit. It definitely at Cannes film, film festival. Okay. Runs 112 minutes. Nice. That's all I want to Can say. Can I ask you what has Noah bomb bomb back? He's done a bunch, man. So he did, um, the name was so familiar. He did the squid and the whale. Um, let me look up some more stuff actually. Yeah. Do you want right. to just give me your initial take and then I'll find the full list for you. Yeah. While you look that up, I absolutely love this movie. It was, viciously engaging mm. uh the characters a couple of them you didn't realize they were going to be main characters and you just kind of get sucked in and then you're sold uh this movie was was really well done uh, i loved the, all the dialogue very very nice dialogue very realistic dialogue like right like i've never seen so much realism where people talk over each other it's so good and like it captures that selfishness and that narcissism of talking over someone um they did stuff so right, and it was just a really well-written and well-acted family drama. Like, dude, yeah. family dramas, uh, I don't know if, if you listening out there or you personally had any family drama growing up, but movies like this really, like, man, they hit the nail on the head with certain things. Yeah. It's, it's man, I was gonna, I'm was i glad you said that the dialogue in this movie is so poignant and so realistic like um granted everybody's sort of hyperkinetic in the way they speak but yeah but there's so much of people talking over each other and um especially in, in this family we'll, we'll get into their family dynamics more but there's a lot of um competition and narcissism that kind of ensues so yeah. so even when there is a setup of a question in the dialogue it's still it's answered by another statement it's like people just kind of trying to like one-up each other constantly yep and in a discussion that we are listening to as audience members it's very taxing on your on your ears and on your brain but it was very rewarding, I think, to uh, to watch it all happen and, and try to follow it. I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, and I really liked the way they kind of set up the style of the dialogue really firmly with Dustin Hoffman's character. Uh, I'm just going to go with actors' names because it's easier. Yeah, sure. Because um, Dustin, Dustin Hoffman being the kind of eccentric sculptor patriarch of yes. his family, his style of communication is so unique Yeah, and like just grading in that he always has to it's all about things that he's done or mm-hmm. things he's accomplished or how other people are not as good yeah at things or there's no inferior. praise for others no praise super critical of just everything in the universe yeah um and you can kind of see that communication style how it's like rippled out into his family in each of the siblings kind of in their own unique way how they've reflect that kind of communication yeah it's fascinating man this whole movie was so like fascinating like honestly i was ready to watch it again after i finished it i was just like super enamored by these characters yeah to get back to your point about uh the other films that this director has done i think the one that put him on the map was in 2005 the squid and the whale okay Uh, if i'm not mistaken jeff daniels was in that um there have actually been some correlations that people could have made probably could make between this and that movie almost being uh, in the same universe, if not the same people. Hmm. Um, I haven't seen the movie, and I, I need to. It's been on my, my letterbox list for quite a while. Interesting. Um, but he's also done Margot at the Wedding, Greenberg, Francis Ha, While You Were Young. A lot of these involved uh, Greta Gerwig. Oh, I see it right here. Okay. Um, who did Lady Bird, yeah. as we know, and he, he co-wrote those with her. And I think he's done a few with Ben Stiller as well, and okay. I'm not sure which ones, but I know he has. Interesting. So he's just kind of been around. Yeah. Yeah. Margot at the wedding. Why does that sound so funny? I don't know. I didn't see that one either, but All I've right. got my list is just continually growing on Letterboxd. Yeah. I think I like 115 movies that it's I have hard. to watch right now. It's so hard. It is. 
Um, but I also like this movie quite a bit. I think that that portion of it, this is a very, this is a, it's a family comedy drama. By yep. that, I don't mean it's for your family. I mean, it's a comedy drama about a family. Yep. I would say, in fact, do not watch this if you have children. There are some pretty explicit moments in oh, this. Yeah. Um, we'll get into that. Yeah. Uh, that I think work really well. And yeah. I actually want to remind me later, I want to talk about, because uh, Eliza is Adam Sandler's character's daughter, Danny's daughter. Mm-hmm. Right. And down. Um, she is going off to college. That's kind of the big turning point in his life. And he's, he's, separated from his wife they make that clear he's waited until she's leaving for school and they separated and he's going to stay with his dad that's why he goes there um and she's going to become this filmmaker in school and she does these very like sexual uh experimental films in college yeah and later on i would love to talk about how how the family interprets her art versus how they interpret harold's art right more importantly how he interprets his own art i don't think he ever really gets feedback or we never hear his side of her films or anything but mm-hmm. um i think it's it's interesting. I think there's a lot to be said about how people receive her versus him. Yeah. Namely, probably because of how he puts himself out. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause the whole, his whole movie, or his whole time during the movie is spent just talking about how, you know, he hasn't had a fair go at it. And there's these much more mediocre artists that are getting way more attention than he is. And yeah, that sort of thing. I feel like we're also building up Dustin Hoffman's character to be um, this completely pitiful and angry person, yeah. which to some degree he is some degree, but it comes across in such a mild mannered kind of like almost sweet way. Yeah. Almost do yeah, that. like looking down on you kind of thing. Well, it's yeah. It's that, that way that a parent is critical of a child with love. Yeah. Like they're lovingly critical. Right, you know, except it feels like definitely more just critical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Oh, he's super critical, but he's not unlikable. It's a very strange balance that he strikes. Yeah, and I think all the tension in this film comes from from um, Danny and Matthew, the two half brothers, and yeah, in in Dustin Hoffman's eyes, like Matthew's always been the golden child, but as a result of always being in his. Uh, you know, what do you call those high beams? I guess, yeah, uh, it's created a lot of pressure and stress in Matthew's life. And then the opposite end, Danny's always craved his father's affection, but has never gotten it because he was always the failure. Like he gave up doing music, but's never had a real job and has no money and no success, quote unquote. Yeah, um, so that's that's a really interesting dynamic to pursue. And I think this movie does a good job making these characters realistic, not only through the dialogue, but through their interactions and how throughout the film we get these moments of truth and how these people might be experiencing this, um, oh, yeah. throughout the hospital scenes. and um all that really the whole movie i mean you honestly kind of it was hard for me with the first act of this movie to separate the fact that it's ben stiller and adam sandler really okay i could see that sure just because i'm so i grew up with watching them just be silly geese also it's like to your point i didn't mean to cut you off there but i'm gonna let you jump back, but there's the, the movie starts off with a scene where Adam Sandler gets to be very Adam Sandler, right? They're they're driving around in New York, he and his daughter. Yeah, but then it takes that dark twist at the end where he just screams. No, expletives. that's that's the Adam Sandler part. Fair, like just, just stop. Yeah, like, but then you see yeah. that as actually being more of just like no, like anger issues just kind of run in this family, and you oh, see it. Sure. You see it in his dad. Like he definitely got his temper from mm-hmm. his dad. You know, yeah. just the outbursts and just random too, like some yeah. minor so yeah. and they just explode yeah. like and they do it a few times in this movie mm-hmm. uh, i don't remember what i was talking about before that but uh yeah yep <laughs> sorry man oh you you enjoyed adam sandler and ben still oh. couldn't separate in the first act yeah man it, it took me a minute but once you really just get in that mode of that they're not who they were in other movies this is like this is a serious movie like there, I, I th- there, yeah. There were moments that amused me and that were laughable for sure, and they were obviously intended to do so. But the emphasis of this movie was definitely not comedy. It was more oh. of a. I wouldn't say so. I'd say I think you can read it both ways. It's comedic drama. Yeah, you see, know what I, I mean? or I, dark comedy. See, dark comedy is where I would go because I was laughing at a lot of the, even some of the more heavy moments. I would laugh at. Yeah. Um, but oh it, sure. No denying that it is very heavy and and well, I don't know. I think very heavy is should be reserved for other things like that. Uh, that comedy special that you we didn't yeah you didn't, like that's very heavy yeah um but this was this was more heavy in a dealing with family yeah. issues way day to day not like heavy like there's a serial killer right or like the existence of humanity like this it is didn't a, get existential no but this no. is very heavy in a family sense yeah very heavy on the family drama and the interpersonal relational turmoil um so I really really enjoyed Adam Sandler and Ben Stiller in this movie I think. 
some of the best acting, pure acting, yes. that I've ever seen out of either of them. 100%. Uh, which was tremendous. I feel like they've accomplished enough in their career that they don't have to be silly geese on screen anymore. They can actually take on roles that they're passionate about because, honestly, I got the vibe that both of them were super into this movie. Like, they went deep into these characters and... Oh, dude, in some of Adam Sandler's scenes where he's given like monologues and you can tell he's like welling up. Yeah. Oh, those got me. Yeah, there's there's those scenes. And then there's the one scene at at an art showing when Ben Stiller has a monologue about his father. Mm-hmm. That is a great scene, too. Yeah. I think to your point, um, not being able to separate those two actors in the first act says a lot, assuming later on you were oh. able to settle into the roles because they are like famously themselves like adam sandler's obviously it's an adam sandler movie yep it's, and like ben stiller is always very energetic and charismatic and like yeah. he's animated. zoolander right come on um so the fact that through their acting and the direction mm-hmm. uh by bombach bombach we're just gonna go bombach. back and forth by noah um that they were able to kind of shed that facade of what we thought they or what we have seen that they are over the course of their careers like it's a lot i think that's that in, in and of itself should be praised yeah about this you know seriously in the third act i realized that i completely forgot yeah it was ben stiller and adam sandler and that was really cool like those guys can act their tails off yeah very impressed by their performances um dustin hoffman was tremendous in this movie See, as i was well. about to ask you about dustin hoffman i liked him i liked him as well yeah um would you say he was on uh an acting or even carrying the same gravity as the other as the other two fellas adam sandler and ben stiller i think he was trying he had to portray a character that was so different mm different from anything that like we would think dustin hoffman to be from his past roles yeah and also just his character was so nuanced that i think he did a great job with it as far as just depth of acting i think uh dustin hoffman was portraying a character that fits way more into a pre-existing mold whereas the children of double points for since he's a sculptor Boom. Just saying. Thank you. Yes. Uh, I think the the two sons and the daughter, but the two sons in particular, just because we're familiar with their work, had a much more difficult job acting, fitting those roles and getting the feelings and the relationships right. Um, just because that is such a pre-existing mold, the the disgruntled, like yeah. grumpy artist that never made it huge. That's kind of that's a, that's a pre-existing character that you can kind of fall into. You have examples of that in cinema and art in general and in lots of them in life, you know? So I yeah. think those two taking on the role of his sons was a much higher degree of difficulty acting-wise. There's a really good scene in there where, where Dustin Hoffman and Ben Siller are talking and he goes, D- Dustin Hoffman does, he says like, oh, I did a pretty okay job as a father. Like, you're successful. You're the way that you are because, basically because of me. Um and then Ben Siller pushes back against that, but at late, you go ahead. The line was, um, I really could have done better with your brother and your yeah. sister, but I really, looking back, I don't see anything I could have done better with you. Right. And that's just such a stinging, it's so arrogant, too, backhanded, like, arrogant yeah. thing to say. Like, um, oof. Yeah. So later on, like more on this on this character of, of Harold, like Ben Siller's delivering this monologue I'm talking about, or I talked about earlier, and um I think, oh, you know what? It was actually Danny. It was Adam Sandler. I think he was saying like, you you know, I, I wish he would have gotten more attention. Like I wish he was like, I, I hope that when he dies, I can think that he was a genius because otherwise he was just a prick. Yeah. Like that was this, oof. this whole dichotomy of like, if you're, if you're a mad genius, you can be a terrible person. Yeah. If but if you're not a genius, like you're just mean. Yeah. If there's success to go with all that ex- eccentricity, right. right? it's somehow you know easier to swallow. Right. Yeah, that's the peril of, of living with an artist. That's the peril of living, yeah, uh, in a society that thinks that's an okay reason or an yeah. okay thing to, like, you're okay to be mean if you're an artist. Right, like, you get a pass on really. that. Just like, be a terrible father. Yeah, I don't like, know, man. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. I think plot-wise, you kind of summed it up at the beginning. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that's really like the gist of it it's not i don't think there's any really huge important plot points that we need to hit i did want to mention one scene that i thought was very touching that kind of it was the the first point this movie started sinking its hooks in was was adam sandler and his daughter sitting down at the piano oh sure that was such a cute little song like yeah they played a little song together a little duet and i was like oh that's really cute that was an excellent example of how a movie doesn't have to give you exposition in order to set the scene because at that point you'd not seen you'd not seen or heard about his relationship with her mother. Yeah. And they throw it in the song. Like, 
um, like mommy and daddy and genius girl makes three. Mm-hmm. And then we, f- okay, so clearly there was a mom. And then we find out when they're sitting on the doorstep outside waiting for the uh, stepdad or whatever, like, okay, well, they're splitting up. And yeah. Also, yeah. I f- feel like it's a good segue to talk about the editing in this movie a little bit. Yeah, I was just going to say up until that point, too, we didn't realize that they were, that Adam Sandler and his wife were splitting up. Exactly. Or that he was there to stay with his dad. Right. That was an interesting kind of theme. Throughout this whole movie, Adam Sandler's pretty much living wherever his dad's living. Yeah. So they were yeah. just kind of together this whole movie. Yes, yeah, so they're having this this very hard to heart. It's basically the last time Adam Sandler is going to see his daughter before college mm-hmm. and her, her mom's, or not, yeah, her mom's boyfriend or husband rolls up and is going to take her away and he's like all right like yelling at her down the street like all right see you later text me and then like the scene cuts Mm -hmm. immediately to like a next this happens like five or six times in this movie there's a lot of hard cuts yeah and i think they were they were peppered in at really intriguing moments yeah i think when they were meant to work as jokes they totally do and and they're like that's a very symbolic time to cut it off because that's like symbolic of their relationship mm-hmm. like boom like, yeah cutting the tie right there and going to college mm-hmm. um those sorts of things happen a lot or, or like when adam sandler gets mad he's like screaming he's about to smash something mm-hmm. uh and then it cuts it's yeah. the editing the uh the editor on this film was named jennifer lane i think very well done good work and this yeah. it was spliced with those hard cuts into the chapters as it's presented because right. as the name of the movie implies this is stories about this family mm-hmm I really, yeah, I like the the regal slates that they put in, like Danny. Boom. Yeah. He had just gotten off of a flight or yeah. whatever it is. I like those too. It definitely made it felt unique. There's not a lot of movies that do that in a yeah. storytelling kind of way. It was kind of like you were, you know, watching the visual representation of a book. Like I'm, this is yeah, obviously a totally. new chapter. And a lot of, I mean, a lot of this is building up tension. So, like, it would get you to a point with his character where it's like, okay, they're dealing with a lot. And then they would give us a little reprieve and we'd take a breath and start with another character. Mm-hmm. And then it would all culminate at the end of this film. There's a great scene that takes place. Um, you know, maybe it's up for debate if it's a great scene. It worked for me. Um, I'll they, decide whether it was a sure, great scene or they not. They go and visit Eliza. or They're at her school. I think it's for the art show, right before the art show. And uh, she's drinking a beer. You know the scene? Oh, yeah. Um, and that, that escalates into something totally different. But I think that works like between Adam Sandler and Ben Stiller, the confrontation they have, I think is great. Yep. I also think that what Adam Sandler does right before that confrontation uh, in regards to Eliza is also very believable given all the stress that he's going through. Even if you take their entire relationship of being like a pretty good father daughter thing, like they're good friends, but he's just at the end of his rope and like, yeah, I think it all works. I like that scene a lot. Yeah, me too. It sets up what happens later. It was such a real dad moment. Yeah. And that, that's, I think that's why you're saying that. Like that's just, that's so believable. Yeah. 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 It's tremendous. So I have, uh, maybe you saw me. I wrote down my rating for this film. Did see you. Do you have your rating? <sighs> While you're thinking, just for first time listeners, we rate all of our movies and beers. We're not professionals in these fields. I'm we like to professional. rate them. You're a professional in the beer field. And the movie field. No, you're not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> critics, real critics are professionals, but we have fun doing it. Yeah. No, so, we're real amateur and, critics. Yeah, exactly. So you we take get- it seriously. You can or you cannot. It's up to you. What do you think, John? Given this movie a nine, and I'll tell you why. Please. This is hands down the best acting I've ever seen out of two actors that I have loved most of my life. And that is not a sentence you get to say very often no? after watching a movie. Uh, a huge tip of the hat and a raising of the glass to Ben Stiller and Adam Sandler for really just engaging in these characters and making them believable mm-hmm. and just portraying them in such a genuine way that you forgot who they were. And I forgot about their careers before this movie and I loved it. I absolutely love this movie. I cannot wait to watch it again. Um, I'm going to say that this is probably up there as far as movies I've seen this year. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I really, really like this movie. Okay. Um, yeah. I will be ranking all the movies we watched this right. year, but yeah, i off the top of my head, it's definitely at least in the top ten, maybe top five. Nice, dude. Um, so I'm gonna go ahead and say that your your point about the two actors right there made me add a point five to my yeah. score. Um, so I'm gonna tell you what I thought first, and then I will tell you my number. Um, and also, I have not seen Punch Drunk Love. Okay, which is like tremendous film. Yeah, that's what everybody says. Adam Sandler is at his best. So I've not seen that. I do think he's very, very good in this. Same with Ben Stiller. I went from an 8 to an 8.5. I'm going to stick with that. Um, I think the two movies are on kind of a different plane. Probably. And I'll tell you why after you explain. Yeah. Um, so 8.5, I feel like, again, everything we just said is is very true. I think Dustin Hoffman is perfectly, I think he does what he's supposed to do very, 
very well and very mm-hmm. adequately, I guess. He was effective. Yeah, he's his character essentially just has to act as this driving force for everybody else's emotions while not trying to do it. Like he just needs no. to exist. Yeah, not wanting to. No, at least not directly, but like always kind of having this effect on people surrounding him. And I think he does that very well. Um, I think Elizabeth Marvel as Jean is kind of underutilized. We get a little tiny chapter of backstory from her that I don't think works for me super well, though it does lead to a little bit of a fun scene between the two brothers. They kind of uh, react to this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was all fine. But I, I, I don't think she was as well developed as she could have been. And I think that was kind of the point. I think that was displaying her as being an outsider in the family in general. They didn't focus on her sure. just like her father didn't focus on her at all. Like I, that's, I completely agree. But I think that if we're indicting her father for doing this the whole time, like then we can't go ahead and do it as viewers. Like if, if you're going to get mad at him for, for ostracizing her or at least keeping her outside of his radius of circle of trust, I'm going to make a Ben Stiller. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dustin Hoffman's in meet the parents, right? Yeah. He's in yeah, the, okay. meet the Fockers. Oh yeah. The you're second. Right. One. Sorry. You're right. Uh, then you we can't enjoy, or at least we need to ask for more from her character. Like if if they're expecting us to be mad at him for not having more of a relationship with her, then I want more of it for us. I think yeah, because most of what you get from her character is just very weird. There's like a really there's a a pretty traumatic backstory that we get. Kind yeah, of like she doesn't treat it that way, but clearly this would be disturbing if this happened to you when you were that age. And I I, I don't know. I, uh, it just it didn't work for me as a fully fully developed character moment. So that's why that's one of the reasons keeping me from going a little bit higher on this yeah. movie. It seemed definitely seemed like dashed in there. Yeah, a little bit casually, but I don't know. It's kind of a, a reflection on her character. I thought just okay. like being such a, a subtle character. Yeah. Okay. But I don't know. I could see that point too, though. Yeah, you were gonna say something. I think. Oh, did you rate it? Yeah. And you said why? Yeah, it was just the the comparison between Punch Drunk Love and this yes. movie. You're saying they're not quite the same? They, they are both serious roles for, for Adam Sandler, but Punch Drunk Love was much more method acting. Mm. It was him immersing himself in a character that was borderline mentally unstable and definitely had some issues and way more nuance. Um, so I would say that qualifies as being a bit more methody sure. as opposed to this, where he's just playing an everyman where he has a limp where he has a limp. <laughs> and that's the only thing unique about this character besides some childhood trauma. Yeah, sure. So I think they're both really great roles from him, but this one I feel is way more just pure acting. Gotcha. So you should watch Fair punch Drunk yeah, Love and let me know on my list as well, man. Interesting movie, man. So a nine for you an 8.5 for me. Again, this is the Meyerowitz stories new and selected. It's on Netflix has been since October of 2017. We highly recommend you check it out. And if you are going to do it before you listen to the danger zone, because when we come back, we're going to cover a second beer and spoil some stuff from this movie. So do stay tuned. If you have a hankering for a delicious meal and an ice cold draft beer, you should go down and check out the handlebar. You absolutely should. That's a craft beer bar and restaurant here in Chico. Longtime supporters of this podcast. They have great beer, great food, and most importantly, a happy hour seven days a week from 2 to 6. Johnny, what is the big deal with their happy hour? Every single day from 2 to 6, you get $1 off any craft beer. So you save a little bit of money, get yourself a great meal, a delicious ice-cold beer, check out their patio. Dogs are welcome. They're all ages now, up until 10, too, so you can bring the whole family. That's right. That's the Handlebar here in Chico, 2070 East 20th Street. Get down there. Grab a beer. Welcome to the Danger Zone, where it gets dangerous and sweary and spoilery and all sorts of fun. If you could only hear what we were just talking about <laughs> off my... I would love if that's how we started every Danger Zone. If you could only hear what you've missed. Oh, I'm just saying, that was some of the spiciest break yeah, conversation right. we've ever had. Let me say now, my friend, that I think this episode's been going really great. Me too. I really like what we've covered. I think we've, between the uh, the uh, turpentines, which is not the word I'm looking for. That's paint thinner. That's, yeah. Uh, the terpenes. Terpenes, thank you. Uh, and the analysis of this film... I think it's been off to a good start. Yeah. And I'd like to finish strongly. I went deep on this movie yeah, too. Dude, I this took is a lot a, of notes. It's a great film. And I would love to get back to it after we talk about our second beer. Um, to do that, we have to both finish the current beer that we're drinking. We do. But since we are on a radio show, we'll do it at different times. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Because you can, you might as well just go because I'll talk about this beer real quick and then I'll cover it. You talk about that one. So this is a beer that Johnny brought from New Glory. It's called All Clouds Everything. It's a, it's a hazy IPA brewed with Citra, Galaxy, and Mosaic hops. And they say it's fermented with their expressive ale yeast, packaged in its purest form, unrefined, or unfined, excuse me, and unfiltered for optimal experience, store cold and drink fresh. It is 7% in alcohol. And that's all the information I have on it, because this is a very, very new beer. Yeah, and they, they've been cranking out beers pretty consistently, like three or four new ones, like almost every other week, it seems. Yeah, I mean, they're, new, new Glory's always making... Uh, 
Crazy. I think the last one we did on the show was uh, Zwickle Me Timbers. It was their Hella style. Oh, order. yeah. That was very that good. right? Yeah. Yeah. I, pick, I picked that one up at the tap room. Um, man, I don't know when that was. Maybe late spring? Late spring, early like summer, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But that was fantastic. I, I have yet to really try something from New Glory that is not. Actually, that's not true. I didn't like their churro spicy stout oh, the, or whatever. the churro stout. Yeah. Yeah. The Ace Ventura. I think is what it was called. I think you're correct. I didn't like that one. Yeah, it was just all right. But their IPAs and pretty much everything besides that, even some of their stouts are very good. Yeah, they did a beer called Infinite Void. Infinite Void is fantastic. Oh, it's tremendous. Didn't they and do like a brownie thing too? Am I thinking of something? Double. No, they did. They did a, a brown, like a half-baked. Yes. And then they did uh, a one that was a brown ale that was supposed to taste like pancakes. It was like a brown ale with maple. See... How was that? That was not bad. We okay. put shots of blueberry vodka in it, and it oh, tasted oh. like blueberry pancakes. Yeah. It was really good. I think at that, if you put blueberry vodka in anything and drink enough of it, it's going to be amazing. No, just like on first sip, because like blueberry sure. stoli has such a strong blueberry syrup smell that anything you put in is just going to be overpowered by that. Sure. And then you mix it with like the brown ale, like nuttiness, and then the malt, or not the malt, the yeet, uh, blah, blah, the syrup, the maple. Oh, the maple. There yes. we go. Gotcha. Couldn't think of maple. Sorry. Uh, you mix that with that, it definitely has that that blueberry pancake vibe. Gotcha. So, even on sipping. But yes, obviously we did get hammered after that. It right. New Year's after all. So all that to say, All Clouds Everything IPA from New Glory is pouring right into my glass. Wow, that beer is bright. Uh, this beer is chunky, my friend. Or maybe it's just really... I think, did you open the can all the way? Yeah, I opened the can. What is this, amateur hour? I don't know. You try pouring. It's maybe pouring I'm tripping weird. out because it's pouring very... I don't think it's chunky, but it's... Uh, Wow, that is maybe the the isn't that weird? Oh it's, it's, it's not a chunk though. That's what I'm saying. Like No, are you sure? No, but I think so. I'm... This is the weirdest pour I've ever seen. Uh maybe just crank the can open a little more, man. Oh, there's stuff coming out of it. I don't it, think dude. that's true. No, it's not here. Put the can down for me. Sorry, everybody. This is this is you're experiencing this with us. Try it again. I open the can a little more. Well, let's give it a minute. He's gonna vent it. Um regardless of chunks or not, this is a very hazy beer. And I hope to God. Nope, it's okay. Well, uh, all right. Listen up, New Glory. What the shit is that? <laughs> I'm gonna try mine again. Here's the thing, man. Are we gonna try it or not? Uh, what? Can you take a video for Instagram just to see, dude? Uh, that... And stop yelling in my ears. I'm sorry, but that's really gross looking. Um, this is. All tell right, me, hold yeah. on. So we're just gonna pour this. It looks like it's not like like uh, full chunks. It looks like a right, kind ready, of, go. Uh, you know, like uh, you can even hear it. Kind of. I hope that picked up on the mic, but. Ugh. Uh, like globs plopping. Yeah, it was plopping. What? So that's interesting. Do we um, drink this beer? So first of all, we should say we should make a note to reach out to New Glory and find out when this was canned because not that this is like an age issue, but I would love to know what might cause that because I've never seen something quite that way. You're smelling it like you're about to drink it. I uh, I think you should. Oh, um, no, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to try it, but I'm just in the middle of a sentence. So if you wanted to take over the verbal part of this, I could, I, I mean, I would, I would, you know, I could. It doesn't smell bad, but it just feels sketchy now. I don't know. I have, I have doubts. I have very yeah, serious I mean, it doubts. It smells fine. It doesn't smell bad. So I'm going to do something. Oh, reach in there. I'm going to see if I can get something out. You know, see if you can feel any chunks. No, I don't feel any chunks. Give it, give it a whirl. Like no, a, no. a slow world. I want to try to keep it all together in case they are chunks. Are they at the bottom? No, dude. I don't feel. You can try yours if you want, but well, should my, we? This is very cold, by the way. Should we? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> all right, listen up. It's fine. We figured it out. All right. So as we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, these beers were not the coldest. We stuck them in the freezer. We're also idiots. There's a good chance that the reason I can't feel the chunks now is because it was a little bit of slushy beer and it melted. Johnny's drinking it. Can you confirm that there is no Yeah, chunks? that beer's ice cold. Cool, cool. I was like, man, my finger's getting really cold. How cold is this beer? We're about to file a class action suit against New Glory. Now, if we were if we were not a transparent and honesty podcast, you would never have heard that. We would have edited, edited it out. <laughs> yes. Edited it out. That's a tough sentence. I'm it not going to try. Right? Yeah. I'll, I'll fuck it up. So we're going to leave it in. You've all experienced this with us. Oh, that was a scary moment. New Glory, I'm sorry. Your beer's perfect. No, yeah. That's all us. <laughs> I, I guarantee that's what it was. Uh-huh. We just left it in the freezer a little too long. Yeah, but by like barely. Oh, that's a that tastes really strong though. I'll tell you that. Wow! If somebody just gave me that blind, I'd be like, "This is nine and a half or ten percent beer." Yeah, it's what, very sweet. What is it? Seven. Okay. You think I make you these notepapers for fun? Look oh, at yeah. that, right down there. Hey. Um. Yeah. It's a real real paper. Seven percent. Um. I don't know, man. What do you think about this? It's not great. It's not great, but it is good. It's good. It's not great. Yeah. But it's good. 
No, I, I actually dig this a lot. I'm trying to think of what's what's. Do you have like a go to New Glory beer that you really enjoy? Ubedank. Ubedank's a great one. How about a, how about an East East Coast? I really like the the Do You Even Bro series. What they've done with uh, oh, Citra, yeah, they did right. with Mosaic. I like the Mosaic. They think they have that now too. I'm Sweet. pretty sure we. I could have got a can of that, but I thought we'd done it on the show before. Um, Just to be clear, who's they? New Glory. New Glory has that. You could have gotten. Oh, I'm sorry, Spikes. I, I popped by Spikes to grab beers today. Sweet. Okay. Cool. And I'm pretty sure they had some. Do you even mosaic, bro? Nice. It might have been citrus. Either or way. citra. Yeah. This is. I mean, this is really sweet. It's a. Uh, it's it's a, maybe too sweet for my taste. I but think it's way too cold. Yeah, it might be. Uh, I'm getting definitely some bitterness, actually. Yeah. So. Yeah. I might. Uh, I might wait on this for a couple minutes. Do you want to be unconventional and we just kind of put this beer aside for a minute and talk about? Yes. Talk so, about our movie for a minute since we froze it. Yeah, we made a beer slurpee. Yeah, that was funny. That was one of the funniest shenanigans that have ever happened. We were both so baffled. I was like, "What? Yeah, this is beer from space." Or That's funny. All right, Arizona, what's happening? So let's talk about the Meyerowitz stories. Yeah, is there any favorite favorite scenes you want to pick out? They were great, man. There's a moment where, um, and this isn't really that spoilery as far as spoilery. Spoilery. Why am I picking hard words to say? Um, spoilery. This doesn't give away too much as far as the main plot goes, but there's a scene where they're playing pool. Um, Danny and Harold, mm-hmm. father and son, son and father, actually. Dustin Hoffman, Adam Sandler. Yeah, and Adam Sandler like freaks out about something, and then for a second you think that like because he like miss, he misses his pool shot or whatever, mm-hmm. and he's just like fuck, god damn it, yeah. And <laughs> Harold just goes take his turn. Compl- like no reason these people. There's no evidence to suggest they actually have a pool table in their home. Because they cannot play pool at all. Yeah. And he just, Harold just completely misses it and just immediately just yells, fuck. And snaps his pool cue. Yeah, smashes the pool cue on the table. Uh, and I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of those moments. And I think it's one of the situations where it cuts away right after. Mm-hmm. Um, just so this, the comic timing of this movie via editing is so perfect, I think. Yeah. The editor... I forget her name. Please refresh me. There's a reason I give you these papers. Oh, Jennifer Lane. Boom. <laughs> do you look at these before we sit down? I do. I just never really referenced the editor. Yeah. No, but, I know. But no, she she gave this movie a feel. Yeah. You could tell that there's a, a presence and a vibe created by this movie that without the editing job, it would not have been the same. Yeah. I want to say before I forget, I mentioned earlier that I want to talk about the differences in the art between Eliza and Harold. Yes. Um, and again, Harold has spent his whole life basically thinking the world's not giving him what he deserves. Yeah. And Eliza, on the other hand, <laughs> what's up? Just thinking about that yeah. first movie. Right. Um, Eliza, on the other hand, is a is a fresh college student. She's going and she's going into filmmaking. And at this point, we don't have any we don't have any expectation for what she's going to do. I think it's been mentioned in passing that she's even going to go into film. And I'd like to point out at this point. I said just to point too many times. Uh, this far away in the movie, she's been portrayed fairly innocently, very nothing provocative or yeah. There's nothing to suggest she's going to be an edgy film. No, she doesn't seem no. edgy. Not to say that there's anything wrong with the art she's making, but you do not see it coming no. from her. So Max, no. please describe what happens the first time she sends a cut of her movie to her father, Adam Sandler. So we got a setup for this uh, superhero. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say superhero called. Uh, Pagina Man. And Pagina Man's uh, powers. Was that the first one? Yes. Okay. Are all about, like, it's so explicit. And I'll just, I wonder if we could look it up. You know what we're going to do? We're going to drop in. We're going to drop in the theme song to Pagina Man. Oh, yes. Can I just say that I appreciate the fact that they're like vagina man pees where they please. Like, cause what are you going to do? You're like he, she, it's both. It's they, it. it's they, I don't know. Yeah. They could have gone they or it and they went they. And just for a, a, a visual uh, representation of what was happening when she said, you know, what's happening. Yeah. No, th- th- she was <laughs> standing on her hands, like squatting upside down. You think like, the urinal thing into a urinal. Yeah. So this whole thing comes like, this is Eliza's first film it comes out of nowhere. And it's like completely shock value. Yeah. The point that I'm going to make with all this art stuff is that it's given us with no pretext at all. And Adam Sandler as her father is basically just like, all right, well, you know, I'll process this. And throughout the entire movie, I thought it was a joke, but it's not. It's like, everybody's like, yeah, she has real talent. 
which I think in the real world, somebody gives you this film, you're like, no, that's insane. But in the context of the movie, she's very talented. People love it, which is kind of um, interesting in, in the sense that like, it's kind of what Harold's saying. Everybody else is like these talentless people are getting all the credit. I wonder if the movie's commentating on that. It's probably not. Um, It could be. Did you just get super meta? Kind of. Maybe. But I, I doubt that this is a movie about pitting a grandfather against his granddaughter. No, it in wouldn't. the artistic sense. But no. but it is interesting to see that somebody who is basically just being true to themselves, quote unquote, hopefully, and and like um, putting out art and not really caring about how it's received, is getting better reception than somebody who is who's focusing only on the reception of their art. Yeah, I thought that was interesting about this movie. Yeah, those 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 tapes came so out of left field. Yes, like, there's two of them that happen. Just wild, man. Yeah. Wild and out. The other thing I wanted to say is that there's one point. This is the only other this scene I wanted to talk about. I'm gonna check my notes real quick. But yeah, there's a scene where um um um, 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 um what's his name? Harold is like kind of scolding uh Danny, Adam Sandler's character for his his inequities in life. Yeah, and under his breath, Adam Sandler's like, all right, because they're, they're in New York. There's and they're on a street corner, and Adam Sandler's like, all right, I'm gonna try to find a cab. And it takes like two minutes to find a cab, which if you're in a movie in New York City is not a thing. Yeah. The second you put your hand up, a cab is there. Mm. I thought that was so funny. <laughs> it was like the funniest little gag. Like, obviously, it's going to take you two minutes to find a, a cab when your dad is yelling at you about how shitty you are. Right. As a person. You're like, like, of course. It was so funny to me. Yeah. Just to piggyback on that uh, feeling of him with his father being super critical of him. Yeah. One of my favorite lines that really stood out in this movie uh, it was kind of, we get an explanation finally why Adam Sandler's character kind of shied away from the piano because it was very artistic mm, right. in, in his youth. Uh, and he was basically saying that, you know, everyone in his house was so critical. Right. It, it was mentioned a few times in this film that, you know, Dustin Hoffman had to be the only artist in the family. And it seemed like maybe through being hypercritical um, of his children, he was almost trying to like stamp that down and like not let that flourish. Um it was fascinating. One of the lines, the line that stood out, I actually wrote it down. Um, Adam Sandler says, playing piano in his house when he was young was like walking barefoot through broken glass to get a mm. milkshake. Yeah. You know, you enjoy the milkshake once you get it, but you know, my feet are bleeding. Yeah. So, and I was like, yeah. that's such just like a casual, but just piercing metaphor. Right. Like, wow. And if you've ever lived in a house like that, imagine that's got to suck. Just like, trying to be good at something and something that requires artistic expression and feeling sure you know and then just being like beaten down for mm-hmm. it the other thing that i like that i really enjoyed going back to the scene on the on the lawn outside of the school when when ben still and adam sandler get in the big fight and they beat each other up pretty good uh they were probably bare knuckle boxing uh, <laughs> to, they call back anyways they go back to the hospital by the way their their fixation on this nurse pam mm-hmm. is so funny like i love that they're grasping for like one little bit of can uh, we at least hope. get like, pam back like just who's and like pam doesn't give a shit yeah. she's like doing her job and she made a good impact anyways she's been gone they come back to the hospital they see pam they're so excited um, and what I like about that scene is that it says like all this tension between these two brothers because of this one big cathartic moment is now gone. Like they got to get it all out there. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like I do think you're a failure for not being a musician or whatever he says to him. Yeah. Like they get, they get to just get all of their grievances out in the air after Adam Sandler knocks the beer out of his daughter's hand. Right. Um, uh, and it was, it was so great. It was a nice, it was a nice coming together for these, these two brothers. And it goes back to what you were saying before we started recording. You said, I think this is a movie about Dustin Hoffman. Um, and I said, I disagree. Yeah. The reason I disagree is because I think this is a movie about everybody else around him. See, um, that goes to my metaphor though. The planet thing. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. So yeah. And kind of to what I was saying about like Dustin Hoffman was as good as he had to be, to be the force that caused everybody else to be the way that they are. He was like a shitty son. S U N in the planetary. Sense. Yes. Um, because everybody in this movie was like revolving around him. Yeah, their lives changed and their relationships and how they were with everyone else changed depending on how close they were to sure. him. Kind of, yeah. Thing. But yeah, yeah, he was definitely the center. But it was all, yeah. it was definitely way more about everyone else dealing with being his child. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think it was great. I th- and I think if you look at it through that lens, the resolution that all these characters find um, through him makes a lot more sense. Like the final scene is Adam Sandler and him in the living room talking about how nope. Adam. That's not the is last that not scene. Last scene? Nope. The last scene was in the museum where the granddaughter finds the lost sculpture and then credits roll. Oh, is that what that was? Yes, sir. That makes sense. Which uh, makes no sense to anybody that hasn't seen it. Do you want to talk about what that is real quick? It's, I think it's important. Yeah. So at, at one point, it 
throughout the whole movie, Dustin Hoffman's kind of bragging about this. I guess it's a big museum. I'm not familiar yeah, with it, but it's sure. the Whitney Art Museum. Uh, and that he's always bragging that they bought one of his pieces. It's and like, then yeah. his claim every, to fame. Yeah. And everyone's like, well, but they lost it. Yeah. The people at the museum cannot find this piece. Like it's not on display anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So the last scene of the movie is that his granddaughter and her boyfriend digging through and like going through, it looks like a whole warehouse yes. full of sculptures and crates and they find the sculpture that they purchased from him. Right. And that was the end of the movie. Which is, yeah, you're right. Which is like a nice sense of closure for Harold's arc. Like he is going to be, because he's old. Yeah. He's not in the best health. He's going to die. He lived through the health problems that were the True. focus of the movie. Yes. Fair to mention. But ultimately- obviously going to die yeah and that's his legacy like he does have this little bit of art left but what i was getting at is uh, clearly not the last scene but maybe a couple scenes before yeah it's it's adam sandler's danny in the the you know the dining room or the living room watching tv with harold and he's talking about how, he, how his brother half brother matthew invited him to la to come and hang out and harold's like no i need you here i don't like asking for things danny please stay with me sort of thing mm-hmm. and then i think danny kind of had the begrudging like, all right well he's my dad i'm gonna stick around and then talks Harold immediately talks about like, all right, so I'm going to have my buddy, this other artist over LJ or something. Yeah. He's coming over. for lunch. And so you're going to have to go somewhere for that. Go find something. Like to you're going to, but then take care of me. And he, at that point he was like, you know, fuck this. Like, yeah, like I'm nah. going to go to LA. I'm going to live my life. So he finds resolution there, which I think is a, also a really nice moment. Cause he, like, Dustin Hoffman is the villain in this movie. Essentially. Yeah. Like he's the, he's the point of contention and conflict amongst all of these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that they were able to find resolution without uh, animosity, yeah, kind of, kind of, yeah, yeah. Um, I think says a lot. I think this is a really well directed movie. I liked it a lot. Me too. They find resolution without the family being ruined. Yes, and but also without a storybook ending where yeah. Dustin Hoffman has a revelation in his right. golden years and everything's yep. hunky dory. You know, they find a way to live with each other. Yeah, and this- I think that captures being in a family. Yeah, this this yeah, this movie is a beautiful portrait of a family going through some family shit. <laughs> it's so well done. I yeah. think it's I think it's beautiful. Um, before we get uh, or before I forget is yeah. what I want to say. Let's rate uh, our All Clouds Everything IPA yeah. from New Glory. Movies put to bed. Yes. Finishing up, the beer has come to a more normal and appropriate temperature. I like it a lot more now. Me too. Yeah. It's definitely not good ice cold. No. Or it's, chunky. No, or chunky. No, it shouldn't be a beer slurpee. It's much better at this temperature. It's very bright, like as bright as it looks, which is nice. Yeah, it, and it's it's like what you would expect from a Northeast IPA. It's very cloudy. It's more yellow than orange. Um, pretty carbonated, but not not overwhelmingly so. Yeah, it's sweet, but it's not crazy sweet. Yeah, what I found from it warming up is that the hops came out a little bit more. Yeah, me too. So, so it kind of cut through that sweetness a little bit. So you yep. get more of a, a full, full rounded body oh, yeah. and taste. I think this is very good. Me um, too. I'm giving it an eight. Yeah, I'm going to give it an eight as well. Nice. That feels right to me. I'm going to no, write that down. Super solid beer. Once again, that is All Clouds Everything, an IPA from New Glory Craft Brewery out of Sacramento, California. That's right. And we were talking about the Meyerowitz stories, Meyerowitz stories. <laughs> New and selected on Netflix since October of 2017 and Strata from Worthy Brewing. If you guys have had or seen any of these things, feel free to write us. We're on social media at Fresh Hop Cinema, yep. or you can email us at fhccast at gmail.com. Yep. Uh, in the meantime, I think this was a really fun episode. Yeah. I'm, I'm very content with this. Me too. I'm ready to get out of people's ear holes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm leaving. Cool. I'm Max Minardi. I am three-time Olympic gold medalist Johnny Summers. See you next week. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.